Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Molly Ryder. Welcome to the podcast, More Milk, Please, baby feeding stories from moms plus like me and you. This podcast is designed to be a safe space for women plus to come together and share baby feeding stories. Whether you are expecting or thinking about having kids, a mom, non-binary, an aunt, grandma, or a caregiver, you are welcome because we hear it all. (laughs) From breastfeeding and pumping to tube feeding, bottles, formula, frozen milk, and weaning, our worldwide community is here connecting over some of our most nerve-wracking and intimate moments. I am so glad you're here, dear listener. Oh my goodness, my mom's plus. I hope that you find connection and belonging as you listen. And if this podcast, or me, or our guests, or the stories mean something to you, it would mean the world to me if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to rate and review the podcast. It helps new Moms Plus find us so these stories can support even more baby feeding adults out there in the wild world of parenting. To do this, just go to the More Milk Please show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and just hit the plus sign in the top right-hand corner. Of course, the more stars you're willing to give, the better. (laughs) And I so appreciate hearing your thoughts. So if you could please leave a comment, that'd be amazing. I check and read them all and feel immense joy over each one. So thank you, thank you. So much love and hugs. All right. Today, I am so honored to interview an incredible woman. She is not only an amazing new mom, but she is a soulful, heart-driven entrepreneur with a passion for energetic healing. She offers group energy programs as well as private sessions, and you can check her out at elementalsphere.com. Please help me in welcoming Lenan Saprasine. Lenan, welcome to More Milk, Please. Thank you for being here today. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so grateful you created this space. Oh, thank you. Well, let's just dig right in. If you can start by sharing a little bit about you and your family, where you live, how old your little is, that'd be great. Sure. So we live in Lyons, Colorado. So right outside of Boulder, near Denver, um, we're actually in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. And it's a a special place, a lot of beautiful nature. I live with my partner, Ravi, um, and we have an 11-month-old named Mirabai. And uh, we actually co-live. So we actually are living in a home with another young family. So they have a one and a half year old. So they're about Mm -hmm. five, five months apart, the two little girls. And we live in a big house. And we have lots of space for the girls to run around and learn and play and also for mamas and papas to also expand and grow as well. That's awesome. That's so cool. I feel like that is the dream to just be hunkered down with another family and share it. We went our first winter together. So we'll see how it goes. It's only (laughs) a six six month experiment. Right. (laughs) That's a good good test. Especially now uh, Mirabai is getting to the age where she'll start walking, right? So full walking. She's been walking for a month. She's an early walker. So she keeps me on my toes. 
All right. Yeah, it's going to be an active winter. I love it. (laughs) Okay. So before you had her and as you were pregnant, what was your breastfeeding experience like? Did you do a lot of research? Did you have ideas of what you wanted it to be? Were you excited, dreading? I was excited. Um, I I think I, I listened to your podcast yesterday again, and I think I was kind of like you. I, it was a, there was a lot of cluelessness. I felt like I had received a lot of mixed information. My mom was like this very proud breastfeeder. But as I delved in the story, I actually found that she only breastfed us for a couple months because both me and my sister were biters. And so she couldn't mm. tolerate it. So she weaned us. We did uh, an online baby course that was actually covered by our insurance. And there was a whole breastfeeding section. And I thought it was kind of stupid. I remember thinking that. But it actually, there was a lot of things that went in and were helpful nice. once once we gave birth. But it really, that was it. Like, I, I watched this, like, online on my computer tutorial, you know, and the lady had the doll and she was showing some things and there were some diagrams and but I knew I was going to need to feel it. And so there was this waiting and uncertainty. And I'd heard great stories. And I'd heard some more challenging stories. And so I was just like, ready for anything. Yeah, it's such a mixed bag. And it's so hard to really conceptualize until you're in it, because it's just like nothing else. You can't steal someone's baby and breastfeed it. Exactly. You're not able to breastfeed. (laughs) Oh, I love it. All right. Well, let's dig in. Can you share a little bit about your birth experience? Did it go as planned? Were you at home? I know you have a unique experience. I'd love for you to share a little bit about it. Yeah. So it did not go as planned, but there was lots of aspects that went as planned and as we had hoped and and, and made intentions for. So we had a home birth and we didn't end up in the hospital, which was our intention, but we had we had to stick to our plan instead of a lot of the stipulations for the state of Colorado, which would have taken us to the hospital. Let's see, like, I'll take you back. So I was over, I was over 41 weeks. And so I was like eager, we're getting text messages, like, when's the baby coming? Is the baby here? And I was not having contractions. I was having Braxton Hicks, like I was hard as a rock for months, um, but nothing, really nothing. And I was like eating like eggplant parmesan. I was like trying everything and nothing was happening. And I was really trying to calm down. And I woke up in the middle of the night and like, I think my water broke, but I didn't want to wake up my partner because I, they were like, Oh, everyone needs to sleep. Like, and I had a few contractions, but then I actually fell back asleep too. And so in the morning I (laughs) said to my partner, I said, I think water broke last night. And he's like, what are you talking about? You think your water broke? Like, are you not? And I'm like, well, I thought it peed the bed. That was what I thought happened. And then I went, no, that doesn't make sense. And then, but I didn't have my mucus plug. I didn't have anything. So I was confused. And we just email our midwives. We don't even call them. <laughs> and they're like, well, we, do you want us to check? Are you like really unsure? So they, I, they ended up having us come in and they looked at it under a microscope and they saw it was the waters and my waters were open. Um, but the law in Colorado is 18 hours. So oh, um And I was getting close to an 18 hour mark and you need to be an active laborer. And so this is where they started what we call herbal induction Mm because I didn't want Pitocin. I was really trying to let my body have a natural journey. Um, And they put me on a breast pump. Um, Mm -hmm. They gave me a lot of herbs during the breast pump sessions. They were quite long, actually. They're longer than sessions I even do myself now. 
I think it was, I was trying to remember, we would think it was like 45 minutes. Like it was a long time to be on a breast pump for the first time. And it wasn't a nice breast pump because I hadn't bought mine yet. It was like kind of a old Medela one. And the flange was a little bit of a weird size and a bunch of my colostrum came out. And so I was really, I was mad. I was trying to use the syringe to save it. Like it was drying up too fast. Like it was, there was a lot of things going on and I was just, I started to get mad. I also didn't feel well from the herbs that they were giving me to make me progress into active labor. And so I stopped the induction after like two rounds. So it was like Mm -hmm. about four hours. So I removed myself from the system or from licensed midwives. And so we, we gave birth at home. We had lots of like hiccups that could have taken us to the hospital, but we had a really experienced um, kind of old school midwife. And she, she got us through, Nice. but Mirabai was born that next day. So we, I was, my waters were open for a full 24 hours. And then I was laboring the whole next day and she was born at 10. Oh, six. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, we, it, I was, it was natural. I, I pushed her out in one push, but I had been pushing for two hours, <laughs> um, but I had no colostrum. So I had nothing for oh. her. So when we talk about like the first latch or things like that, we had a partial lotus. So I don't know if anybody knows what a lotus is, but we kept her umbilical cord attached um, and her mm-hmm. placenta in like a Ziploc for until it started to dry up. So it was over 24 hours and it was around 36 hours. Um, and then we had a forehead burning, but she, she was right on my chest and she did the crawl, the like crawl of mm-hmm. the chest, but she also pooped all over me. There was meconium <laughs> like all over me. I was like, wait, what happened? Like, <laughs> like oh, she pooped. I was like, and so they were yeah. like trying to clean my boobs off. And, uh, but she was trying to get something. And there was nothing there. And there may have been a little bit, they thought, because she was, she went to sleep, but she woke up so much that first night. Mm-hmm. And then the second night was the roughest because I had no milk. And then the third day, my Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That second night is so rough. I struggled we had similarly. Nothing to, nothing to give her. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Can you share a little bit more about a cord burning? I've never heard of it before. Sure. So, um, so the cord had mostly dried up. And, mm-hmm. and it's just an energetic separating from the placenta um, and also separating from the mother. And it's a box. It's like a wooden box and they put the cord across and then there's a candle um, and Papa did it. Um, so typically a lot of the cord cutting in traditions and, and even work with the placenta is done by the father because a lot of the father's DNA builds the placenta. Um, but it's like oh, this whole organ. So we were trying to get her to get all her stem cells and everything through. Um, and then it was just, we said like a prayer, we welcomed her to the world and, and we burned it. Yeah. That's so cool. So yeah, cool. And so I understand like, you know, like those first couple nights, she wasn't getting much, but was the latch okay? Did, how did it feel to you? Um, it just, <laughs> honestly, it just felt like she was like gnawing on my nipple. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know if I had a latch or anything. And um, and we had midwives who came to the house every day for the first few days. And so they were just like checking and they were, they all are like lactation specialists mm-hmm. and they were like re- readjusting her. But, you know, it was interesting because I felt like I had no idea what I was doing and I felt like she knew 
and, and I know not all babies are like this, but I, she'd like shove me and like move my arm and I'd be like, oh, okay. Like I'm definitely doing this wrong, you know? And she fix herself, but it's really funny. She, she still does this to this day, but like she does this head turn. Like they tried to move her whole body and she didn't ever want to. She wanted her whole body to be kind of flat and then turn her head. And they thought it was going to be bad for her neck, but that's how she feeds. And they kept like readjusting her and I had to keep readjusting her, but that's not how she likes to feed. She still does it, you know, almost a year later. They have their favorite positions and then now they're just like crazy. (laughs) Yeah. But when I, my, so my milk came in so fast. Mm. It was, and my partner wasn't home. He was like running errands and I was terrified. My, my breast felt like rocks and I, I called the wrong friend. I always make that joke. I'm like, I called the wrong friend because she thought I had mastitis because she had had mastitis and she was convinced I needed all these things. And so I'm texting my partner and he's like, call the midwives. Don't call your Mm -hmm. friends. (laughs) And so I called the midwives and they were like, it's totally normal. Do you have a hand pump? So I put the haka on me and eight ounces of milk came out. Wow. Like they were even like, are you kidding me? And I'm like sending pictures. I'm like, no, this yeah. is like, literally I had so much pain um, and she was taking like a sip, mm-hmm. you know, and like barely. And so I didn't know what was going on, you know, and I was just trying to keep up. We had to go like buy breast milk storage bags because I hadn't bought them in advance. You know, I was like, oh, I don't know which ones to buy. And, but that was how a lot of my milk came out at the beginning was like on the haka or on the ladybugs and we were pouring it into the bags yeah and so did that like then help so that Mirabai could then you know get on the boob and and drink or was it just like I was just like in so much pain I didn't want her to latch until I could get it down and it took me a few hours to figure that whole thing out and pretty consistently even it happened sometimes in the middle of the night I just wake up and I was like over full and so instead of even like giving her the breast that had the most milk, I would put the pump on that one because mm-hmm. I just knew I needed to express, but she, wa- she really wasn't drinking that much at the beginning. Uh, yeah. So that's when uh, we started hoarding milk because just <laughs> so much milk was coming out. And even at one point I got kind of lazy in the middle of the night feeds because I couldn't keep putting it on and, or I put it on and then it fall off. You know, I'd fall asleep and it'd fall all over the bed. Um, But I got, I mean, we had to put pads in the bed because it would just be milk everywhere. Like, he's like, did she pee? I'm like, no, that's breast milk (laughs) all over the bed. I'm sorry. And I know you mentioned before jumping on that there was certain pads that you like. Did you find, do you want to share a little bit about those? Um, I don't know the name of it, but I'll find it so you can put it in the show notes. But basically like if you buy the, the wee-wee pads that you use postpartum, those are mm-hmm. fine. Um, but eventually a friend of mine told me to buy these reusable ones. And we actually used it because Mirabai got sick last week. She vomited and oh. it was good to have them nearby. Yes. So they're just nice to have like for you postpartum, for breast milk leakage, um, and then just you can continue to use it when your little one gets older, if they like pee the bed or get sick in bed. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So I had the opposite problem. I was an underproducer. So I'm I'm curious to learn more about this as yep. uh, you being an overproducer. So was it just like in the beginning? Did it resolve itself? Or did you have this? Have you had this ongoing? It's ongoing. And 
Like overproducer at the beginning is quite intense because just so much milk is being produced because it's trying to gauge how much milk the baby needs. Mm -hmm. Um, But I still leak most days if I feed out and about like the other breast is like squirting a ton out. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and and I've, I've been in mama's groups and milk circles where, you know, some kids can't tolerate the flow of an overproducer Mm -hmm. and Mirabai's had some challenges. We had, so we had a lot of spit up. Uh, we think either she was drinking too fast or she was literally drinking too much. Like she was like filling her stomach to a point where it was like beyond just because there was milk still flowing. Yeah. And so spit up was like normal, like spit up on her clothes, spit up on the floor, spit up on us. Like we, even if we burped her an hour later, we keep her upright. She would still spit up because she, she was just over full, but also she did sometimes do the like coughing gagging. And so yeah. that just means your flow is just like super extreme. I'm literally, it's like, it's like a sprinkler and that still happens, but mm-hmm. I have to tilt her back. So I have to tilt myself back because then she can control how much is coming in versus like when she was a newborn where I was a little bit over her, that was yeah. like, not it. Like she yeah. it's just, it's like, it's dribbling down her face. She's like, hey, you know, she's trying to get away from it. Yeah. So like the lie back position tended to be the best so she could do more of the control. Yeah. Yeah. And also good for my posture. So I wasn't yes. doing the, the hunch over. So yes. as long as I could have her laying on top of me was better than going on top of her. Nice. What did you find joyful about the experience or surprising? <laughs> so, so I'll start with surprising. <laughs> yeah. I did not know you breastfeed so much. Mm. <laughs> like, I've been around babies my whole life. I worked in a pediatric office. Like I did not understand that if you breastfeed and you're not using a bottle, you are constantly like, I mean, it just felt like it was my whole day. Like there was very little space where I wasn't breastfeeding for the first few months. And even still to this day, I'm like, why am I still breastfeeding this much time? That is the scariest part because and then I tried to tell some women that and they were like, oh, but it's so joyful. And I was like, yeah, but doesn't mm-hmm. it take a lot of time? Did anyone tell you that it took them this much time? So that was like the surprising part. I also think it's because I'm a go, go, go person. And I'm like, why is, why am I still feeding? Why is this still going on? But, but it is so joyful. There's nothing that compares to it. The bond that I have with her now, the time that we have spent together has been so precious. I've had these very spiritual moments where I felt like we've done this before and Mm -hmm. I've been her mother before and just like tears of joy and so much gratitude. And she's, you know, she's very big for her size. She's very like advanced, but like she's, she's just thriving. And I know it's because of the breast milk and she's really only been sick like twice in her first year. And we have friends who've been sick so many times and they just know that the gift of me helping her build her immune system, I'm just astounded. Yeah. It's amazing what it can do. Similarly, Luna is now 21 months and we're still breastfeeding. She was sick last week, but I feel like the life of the sickness was much shorter because, you know, we're still doing it. And I'm like, yeah, we're doing this all through the winter because I don't, I don't want you sick for a long time ever. Well, but, and, and anything you're taking, so vitamin C or, or yeah. any like supplements are all going to her. And so what a gift, you know, to be able yeah. to, to give her all the extra nutrients. Yeah. Amazing. 
Does Mirabai have a name for breast milk? So she doesn't speak yet. Um, yeah. And we're actually like, I, I was making jokes when she was small. I was like, I can't wait till she can like pull my shirt up and just be herself. (laughs) And she's just doing that now. Like it's the like Mm -hmm. pull and she'll Mm -hmm. like, she'll try to figure out how the, cause she knows I'm wearing a cloth, like clothing that will be able to be breastfeed accessible. She's trying to figure it out. Like how can she she do it? But I'm curious what name she has for it. Like we call it milky. Like we go, do you want milky? And so, you know, she's just like, and then we used to do, are you hungry? And she'd be like, ah, (laughs) like, that's definitely one. Um, And then like, we're trying to do like all done, but you know, she just, she's never done basically. Yeah. 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 Similarly, Luna, like she still loves her morning and night feeds and we do a little still over the night because we're co-sleeping and then I'm like, are you done? She's like, no. She's like, I just want to hang out here. It's all good. Mirabai was sick last week. And so she, her appetite was actually, cause it was like a stomach bug. And so her appetite dipped a lot and it was so weird to not feed so much. And then like, I'm back to my regular feeding schedule. I'm like, her appetite is back. Yeah. If you're a breastfeeding mom thinking about breastfeeding or are an underproducer like me, Get your hands on my free 10 best breastfeeding and pumping tips because you deserve an easier, pain-free experience. Seriously, I want you to feel victorious in your breastfeeding and pumping. So go to mollyrider.com forward slash top 10 milk tips to get your copy today. I know you mentioned before we got on that you did 40 days. Can you share about that experience and as like a go, go, goer, how, how that felt? (laughs) So I think this was like the biggest message of pregnancy and giving birth was like the pace that you live isn't going to work for a child. So I felt like even my whole pregnancy was this like unraveling and even COVID, you know, like COVID was right before. And then, and then the pregnancy was like, you can't live like this type A achiever timeline with a child. I listened to your podcast and you worked like till right before. And I wanted to give myself the whole month of November, um, which would have been given me a whole month, but I totally didn't stick to it. I ended up doing like working till like the 12th or the 13th with the client. But I, I really tried to be like relaxed for two weeks. And then I ended up having to put out fires with another client. And so I was mm-hmm. still on uh, doing some work. And I really energetically thought that that was why she was late, mm-hmm. or like why she went over 40 weeks, because she was like, Are you done working yet? Are you like gonna rest? Because I, I had told everybody I was doing this 40 days, I had dreamed about it for years. And my family thought I was nuts. Like my mm-hmm. mom didn't believe me. She's like, <laughs> no, you're not going to leave the house. You're, are you really, are you crazy? And we had no visitors in the 40 days. We just had like some mother's helpers upstairs and my bleeding stopped like weeks before most people's did. Um, Just like had that time with her. It was like so much skin to skin. So, so, and, and I also did a lot of traditional Chinese herbs. And so Mm. I think this may have also contributed to the milk overproduction or like (laughs) the large amounts of milk. Cause it was like ginger, everything, like Mm. everything I ate had ginger in it. I was drinking two different types of teas that are good for postpartum, but also for milk production. And you can Google them. 
They're really popular in Asian countries. One's called Dongshan and the other one is Shenghua Tang. Shenghua Tang is a rough taste. Dongshan is delicious and I make it for all my postpartum mamas. It's so nice. good. It's like red, red dates and goat cheese and ginger mm. and super yummy. But in some ways, in Asian traditions, everything you're doing is for milk production and for your recovery. And sometimes it's both. And so I felt super nourished. I, I wasn't having any dairy. I was having eggs. And so we were sure that she wasn't allergic to eggs. Like I didn't have any nuts. I didn't have a lot of things that would normally be exposed. And so we we didn't have any allergic challenges with the milk nice. in the 40 days. And I know I've had friends who've had like so many challenges with that. Like I had one good friend who went and had Thai food her first week because she missed it and it was too spicy and her son, her baby just threw up and was sick and oh. the breast milk had like chili basically. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's tons of these great books about the first 40 days and some lighter versions, but I wasn't exposing her to a lot of allergens in the first 40 days. And so when I added things back, it was really slow and she, she did great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, I know you mentioned you also did co-sleeping. Did you start right away with the first 40 days or did you wait? We did. Um, It's tricky when they're so small. I know we looked into the sleep seven. We had taken a a birth course and actually it was a really interesting birth course. It was like through, through the hospital, but it's like the midwife birth center. And so it was like one was on labor, one was on postpartum, and then one was on baby care. So it was like three, like, I thought they were very practical. And also, I found out my partner had never changed a diaper. So I was like, we have to go do (laughs) so we can practice. But they had done demos for co sleeping and like safe ways to like keep her separate. And but this is where I always say the boppy, the boppy is our best friend. I didn't know what kind of pillow to buy. I saw you use the breast front. We tried that for two days. I thought it was too stiff. Yeah. And a, a neighbor literally gave us her boppy and nice. it, we still have it and we still keep it on the bed just in case. Cause she loves it and she cuddles it, but the boppy was our best friend, but they say for babies to not sleep on it, but nearby yeah. slept on it like 50% of the time. I'm not going to lie about it. You know, like yeah. I, I, when she was really small, I would try and then slide it out. You know, I didn't want her to like smother herself, but she loved falling asleep on the bobby. Yeah. Yeah. You got to just do what's right for you and your family and follow your own instincts. You're the mom, you know, best. Yeah. So. And I mean, we got, we went and bought a king size bed when we were pregnant. Nice. So we got a bigger bed um, and we actually, we got one that like goes up because I had reflux during pregnancy. And so that mm-hmm. was easier for breastfeeding, but I, I honestly, I can't even wrap my head around other people's postpartum because I was like in that bed all the time and yeah. we were co-sleeping and we, we didn't leave a lot and you know, we have a baby changing table and we, I don't think we ever changed her on it once. <laughs> uh, like mostly we will change her on the couch or the bed or like on the floor, you know, like we have a million other like changing pads, but we've never put her on the table. And in the night we got really good at changing her on the bed and my mom was like I don't understand she's gonna pee and poop everywhere I'm like no she's not she didn't you know it was very helpful for feedings in the night it's more challenging when they're small because you can't side lie and also because we had a lot of the spit up like reflux I just didn't want her to choke on it that was my biggest fear and so sometimes she would fall asleep like on top of it we we called it actually on sleeping for the Mm. first like two or three months because she didn't sleep on the bed she slept on me and so we just had to make me as comfortable that's so precious 
I love it. So what was your partner's experience like during this time? He loved it. The one thing he has been really public about is he actually didn't love the infant stage. Mm. Um, You know, it was really hard. He didn't have oxytocin flowing through his body. You know, we do have feel good hormones too when we're breastfeeding. So the screaming and the, the constant changing and the waking up was rough on him. And so he, he was doing the best he could. And he was just good at being like a really good support person making sure I was fed, making sure there was like bars next to the bed, making sure I had a lot of water, that I had electrolytes. Like he's good at that kind of nurturing. We had a like a small celebration for her 100th day, which is uh, more traditionally Korean actually, but um, mm. it just felt like we made like we made it through. And on her uh, 100th day, she started laughing. And I always say that that was the turning point for him when he yeah. really started to connect with her. I think it is hard for papas, but I was going to tell you this. I don't know if you've read about this, but if you give papas some breast milk, it helps them mm. not only bond with the baby, but also any like depressive type symptoms that they are having for the old life or, or any new challenges. It helps them with that. Somebody told nice. me that at the beginning. And so I was trying to get him to drink it. And he's like, okay, I'll drink it. And it's, it tastes good. It's sweet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's such a good tip. Thank you. If you're That's an overproducer and you're not like, st- you know, you're, yeah, you're not, exactly. You extra, so. If you got it, <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then you said you mentioned after, like, you didn't have family come visit for forty days. So, what was it like when family came to visit? It was a little crazy. <laughs> I think we were so used to our cocoon and our little cave and like the rhythm that we had, they wanted to go out and do all these things. And we were so used to staying at home and being really um, kind of isolated a little bit. Yeah. And also she had a really unique sleep schedule or not that unique, but she would go to bed between four and five. So quite early for her first night sleep and then would wake up for feedings. And and so we couldn't really like go to dinner or even have dinner. Like we, we tried to have family and we had a two floored house. And so they were upstairs eating dinner. It was like way too loud. And I'm like, right. get out. Like it's too loud. And we had, we had a lot of routines, like with the lights dimming and like the sound machine and things that helped her wind down. And even the first group of family that came in, she was sleeping like on me and my boobs were out. And like, she was like latched. And that was like how they saw her first. Like literally like in this dimly lit bedroom with her like laying on the boppy, like on the breast. Yeah. 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 I was like, well, this is what you're going to get. And like, we had to really like, there were some, like even my mom a little bit was like, don't breastfeed around your dad. And I was like, no, my dad's a grown up. He'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. He can walk away if he needs to. (laughs) It's uncomfortable for him. Yeah. Right. I love that you gave yourself the time to set up routines and it is so interesting in the beginning. And just like you said, sort of that early phase, even from pregnancy, just understanding that the life you led before is not going to be the life you lead after. And, you know, baby has, you know, just so many needs and really their goal at that moment is to just grow (laughs) and everything you can be doing to support them in their growth and development and creating those beautiful routines is, is important. Yeah, it can be hard. It can be hard for family. We we had similar challenges. And I think it's also part of the evolution as a mama, either mm-hmm. a first-time mama or even if you're doing it the second or third time, 
but just having boundaries. This is our family and this is how we do things. Um, because I feel like a lot of people have opinions and their thoughts about how babies should be taken care of. And you're the mama, you're in charge and, or you're, your family unit knows how you want, you want to operate. Yeah. That's part of stepping up as a mama and saying, no, this is how we do things here. Yeah. So I want to circle back to the pump for a minute. You mentioned there's, you use the Hakka in the beginning to help catch all of the surplus. Did you then ultimately get a pump of your own? And what did you use? What was that experience like? Yeah. So, I mean, we had like a surplus. And so we had a fair amount of bags in the the freezer. And and then we had like, um, we had family, uh, some cousins watch her while we went to an event. And they didn't understand breast milk so well. And so Mm -hmm. they like defrosted all five bags that we brought. And so I was. And so we couldn't really use it after that. They, and she only ended up drinking half a bag, you know, but we had extra just in case she was hungry. And so I ended up like using it in the bath or something, but you know, that, like little mistakes like that, like we lost our surplus. And so it was like, all right, I'm an overproducer. And I had friends who were pumping like every day mm-hmm. and I was going to milk circle. And I actually, the mixed milk, first milk circle I went to was a lot of women who were mostly pumping and, mm-hmm. um, because a lot of them were going back to work and I, I work from home. So I didn't have that. So, and my insurance covered. So I wanted to make sure to get one. So I did a lot of research and I got the Spectra and that was cordless. I think it's the Spectra 2, the blue one. Um, and I watched a ton of Instagram videos on like how to do it and how to get the flow. And I was, it, 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 it actually reminded me of my journey when I became, when I was a vegetarian and I started eating meat again, it was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. No, I'm not going to, I don't want to eat it. And like, I went back and forth, like I would set everything up and then I'd be like, I don't really want to do it. You know, and then <laughs> at the next day I'd be like, no, no, I like really, I'm going to do it. And so my partner, like take the baby for a walk. And then I, I put the, I had the right bra, you know, the flanges on and I was like, okay. And then I did it. And it was like, not so bad. I think mm-hmm. I had a lot of fear that it was going to be like, labor and and also that it might be painful or whatever and and it was fine so mostly I did it like once a week and it was usually when I knew I was gonna like need more than a certain amount of time away from her um, mm-hmm. and she was just feeding pretty much hourly so I knew if I just like even needed to do an errand that took a drive that was an hour I needed yeah. to have milk for Papa she didn't love bottles Mm-hmm. So it took a while because the bottles that were recommended to us, she was like, uh, and like, yeah, I like couldn't, couldn't figure them out. And like, Robbie would like squirt it in her mouth. And she, then she just spit it all up. And he's like, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And then I ended up just going to the Advent ones, mm-hmm. like super, like the generic ones. And we ended up getting the glass bottle ones. And that was like the easiest. My trick was like, just hold it like it's a boob. That was the, that was what I told everyone who fed her. I said, pretend you're feeding her from your nipple and then she'll take it. And then she did. Nice. And now she doesn't even, she's not interested in a bottle. So she'll just drink it like in a cup. Oh, that's awesome. She's like, look, look, look. And she she learned how to drink out of the haka and learned how to drink out of the ladybugs too. So. Oh, very cool. Like if she she knows there's one on the other breast, she'll like pull it off and like. Funny. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's such or a good like. One, like next to the bed from the nighttime, she'll be like, ah, and she'll grab it. Yeah, 
that's such a good like drinking tool because they're just like that perfect little lip. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love it. With the pumping, did you end up having any favorite accessories or pieces that helped? You know, like not really. I mean, yeah. I, I I think for me, sometimes I'd put the bag in the bottle and sometimes I didn't. I poured it mm-hmm. in. We didn't have any like catastrophic pours that fell, you know, mostly that stuff happened in the bed. And then I, I had this, I have a tank top and I have a, a bra that I got secondhand. I was going to buy the, the fancy ones. And then I never, the bravely ones, I never got around to it. Yeah. And so what I have has worked fine. Yeah. Um, I can't do other things while I'm pumping. Like you guys who do that, you're amazing. Like I just find I have to be present with it. Kind of the way I have to be present with breastfeeding. If I am on the computer on my phone, doesn't doesn't work. But I don't pump for longer than really 15 minutes because yeah. I a lot comes out. And the only time I had to pump like out and about, because um, I did buy a, cord- a cordless one, was mm-hmm. I, I had a mama retreat day and I went to a retreat center and I, it was, I don't know what happened to like something I ate there. I think I had like some kind of chai with something and I just started like, my, it was like rocks again. And I was like, oh, I have to use the pump. Because I tried using the Hakka and it wasn't strong enough. So I just put the, the Spectre on. Yeah, cool. How have you handled breastfeeding out and about? I know you've spoken a, a little bit about with your family there, and but curious about that. From the beginning, I I was just like, I'm just going to do it. And, mm. and there are moments where I feel more self-conscious, but I really I hang out with women who breastfeed. Um, I tend to go to events where there's a lot of breastfeeding women. Yeah, like there was like, it was a national breastfeeding public day and we went to the public pool and actually one of our friends got yelled at at one of the pools for doing it. She was so mad. She like literally brought in the law to them. She's like, breastfeed is sterile. Breast milk is sterile. People pee in these pools. Like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah. Um, they were like, but they were literally like, it's like food. You can't, you know, feed here. Uh, but like the four of us sat on the side of the pool and fed <laughs> and it was just really like empowering. So I just, I've been trying to, create more empowering situations for myself. Mirabai is like very, like when she wants milk, she wants milk. And I can't, my modesty goes out the window. Like if someone's staring at me, like I'll kind of like try to pull my shirt over. Um, But like most people don't stare. Like I've had people like one woman was staring at me in a coffee shop and I thought it was weird. And she's like, I'm breastfeeding too. And you know, that's why she was staring. She was like, how old is she? Like, you know, that, that was why she was staring. It was more like inquiry. And I've had people just be like, yeah, mama, like, you know, just saying things like that to me. Um, And I want it to be normalized, but I do know it's, it's a little, I think how comfortable I've become is a little weird because mm-hmm. like, I'll just literally, like, we have funny, I'll send this to you. It's a really funny photo. I was walking in Target and I was carrying nearby and she's like pulling my shirt. So I literally am like holding her, feeding her and walking down the aisle <laughs> at Target. But like, that's how we do it. Like, yeah, I'm not, I don't always have time to sit down and feed her. I'm doing things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or they don't want it when you're like in a place where you can sit down. It's like, all right, well, we're walking. So here we go. Yeah. Or when it's quiet and peaceful, they yeah. want to do it. Well, Mirabai is now 11 months. So I'm assuming she's got a few teeth. How did it go with breastfeeding and the transition with teething? It's been good. I actually think the breast milk is really helpful with teething. You know, and, and my mom, every single time I talked to her on the phone, she's like, how many teeth does she have? 
are you still breastfeeding? That's like the question that I get pretty much once a week from my mom. You know, she's, she has bit me. I'm not going to lie about that. And I've read like everything you can read about it. And it's just like, I try not to have a big reaction. I just, I'm like, owie. And then, you know, she doesn't get milk. Um, I've never had her clamp down so hard that I had to like pry her off. But I found it's, you know, my background is on child developmental psychology. And so, you know, even the way we speak, the way we express comes through our mouth. And so her biting, if she bites, is her saying something. She's trying mm-hmm. to express something. And the only times she's bit me, she was, I was distracted. I was like trying to do something while I was feeding. She's like, you know, pay attention to me. Or she's in pain, right? Like, you know, after she's fallen or something's happened and I'm trying to soothe her and she's still in pain. And so mm-hmm. usually then we just take a break. We calm down a little more and then we come back. I'm I'm optimistic, you know, like she and I have a good relationship where I don't think she wants to bite me to hurt me. And I don't think that, and even sometimes when she latches funny with the teeth, I'll just take like take her off and relatch her and she's okay with that. And we have enough routines with feeding that she like, you know, she knows when we go into the bedroom, like it's feeding time and she can like either take a nap or she can um, go to bed for nighttime. And so she's not fight. There's no, I always tell her there's the milk cafe is always open 24 Mm -hmm. seven. Like don't feel like I will ever restrict you from milk. And then you don't have any reason to bite me or hurt me. I, I know that's not everyone's story. But right now we're okay. We have six teeth. Mostly I've seen breast milk be really supportive for her teething because her first round of teething, she had something called teething fevers. Mm. And it's like a fever for four days. And I'm not using Tylenol. So it was just like the breast milk was everything to, yeah. her, to keep her. And then sitting in the bathtub with breast milk was helpful too. Nice. Did you know that 90% of mothers felt lonely after having children and 54% felt friendless after giving birth? This according to a recent UK survey of more than 2000 mothers. I can definitely relate. I had a hard time after my daughter was born, which is why I started my free private Facebook group for Moms Plus called More Milk Please, Strong Supportive Mamas. Come join us at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash more milk, please, and find the connection and belonging you desire. Look forward to seeing you there. So you're 11 months in preparing for the long haul. How do you feel about continuing breastfeeding? I feel good. I am. I've been trying to do my research because that's who I am. So I Mm -hmm. try to talk to a bunch of mamas who breastfed, you know, to two or even three or more. And everyone had such a unique journey. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I would love to give you some of their names to talk to them because at first I thought it was like, Oh, there's like a system and I'll, I'll get the system. And then, you know, Oh, maybe we get rid of night weaning or like, or day or something. But I found that every single kid had something different. And Mm -hmm. so I'm really surrendered to letting her guide and also paying attention to my own feelings. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now, co-sleeping is still working and sometimes I'm exhausted, you know? And so I have to see what works best for me. And I, that's what 
going to be the harder part because I really I, I tend toward whatever Mirabai wants. That's what I'm going to do versus like, what do I really need and what's going to help me thrive? But right now, breastfeeding is supporting me and thriving. It is very draining. I will say that because I on demand breastfeed and I eat so much food, way more <laughs> food than I ever ate before. But right now I'm I'm just I'm committed to that and being with, there with her and, and having that that support, like soothing piece for her and that nutrition. Um, yeah. So we'll see how it goes right now. Like my partner goes, she's not stopping anytime soon. Cause like <laughs> we had friends who like naturally weaned at one year and he's like, Oh, she's not doing that. Like, you know, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's like, we haven't lost feedings or anything. Like if anything, like when she goes through growth spurts, she goes up. But one thing I did want to mention that's been really interesting. So my, my moon came back, my period came back mm-hmm. quite early, actually around four or five months mm-hmm. and my milk production dips and people had told me that would happen, but it was not so pronounced to me. It's more pronounced to her. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the only time at night she does this thing. It's really annoying. She wakes up like, <laughs> and like it's like, it's like an alarm system. <laughs> And, and I literally, I take all the herbs, like I have my nettles tea, I have like so many things that I am doing to supplement. And it's not enough because my hormones are dropping and I'm not making milk. And so we started giving her some goat's milk. So mm. goat's milk is the most similar and our friends have goats. <laughs> nice. we live. Um, and I just did a test, like I gave it to her one day and she chugged this milk down, like yeah. was so excited about it. So we haven't been able to fully like figure it out, but my plan is to do kind of one or two cups in the few days at the beginning of my moon to see if I can stave off her, you know, like right. starving, you can't make enough milk for me. Um, but it is, it is a challenge. I've, I've heard some women have no milk. And mm. um, one friend um, really, really struggled. And that's when she started to do blend in formula. And so she sent me like, a jar of Bobby or Bobby or whatever it's called. <laughs> and I'm so I have it in the cabinet, but I haven't, we haven't tried it yet, but I'm really trying to leave. Yeah. Yeah. We, we use goat's milk too in the beginning when we also transitioned to giving her dairy milk uh, and she really liked the goat's milk. It was, it was a good transition. I know you mentioned a lot of resources. You talked about the ladybugs and the haka and the washable bed pads. And then you had sent me a few other recommendations. So I don't know if you want to talk at all about the lanolin nipple cream or the silverettes. Oh, yeah. So the one thing I didn't mention, so because my milk came in so fast, it like something happened to the skin of my nipple. And I, I got a crack. And like, that's like the worst thing and I know some people just like and then that's why you scab um but I never scabbed because she was feeding so much and two midwives like that were lactation specialists were like can you keep going like does it hurt so bad and the woman that had given me the haka she like sold it to me on Facebook marketplace um she was like do you want this lanolin I had a whole she had a whole tube of this lanolin and I was like, sure. I had no idea why you need it. I, I had a bunch of nipple butters. I didn't like any of them. Mm-hmm. None of them. I had Earth Mama. I had this local one from Wish Garden. I hated them. They're all olive oil based. I did not enjoy them. I I like pure lanolin. It has yeah. to have that in it. And so there's like the 
Lenosha, and then there's the yellow one, the Medela one. I like the Medela one the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just coat my nipples because that was the only way because I had a huge crack around like the edge of my right nipple, and it's it even has a scar now. Mm-hmm. Like it's properly still there, um, but it was the only way I could keep feeding. I mean, that was the other great thing about first 40 days is I could just be topless at my house all day and like let my nipple breathe so it could kind of heal. Because if I had had to wear a bra and a shirt, I think it would have been excruciating. Yeah. Just because it was, and I, the latch, the latch is the hardest part. I think you probably remember that too. It's just like when they latch, you're like, no, no, okay. And then you just breathe through it and then she could, you know, feed. But I was pretty much constantly doing that. And then now what I find is that she, sometimes my nipples just get raw. That's Mm -hmm. the only way to explain it. And like, if I'm not being a little bit more mindful about using the lanolin regularly, um, they get raw. And and a friend of mine actually got the little silverettes from her registry and I didn't get them. I put them on it. Nobody bought them, but she's like, you can have them. I never use them. And I love them. Mm. it's like so cooling and my nipples feel like I wear them overnight and I feel like a thousand times better if I feel like I went to bed with raw nipples that's awesome yeah that's so cool and the first time I heard about them was another woman like people who pump a lot Mm. they feel really nice on those too oh that's a good tip it's a great tip and you also mentioned you use rat breastfeeding bras do you want to share a little bit about that can I grab one? Uh, so, yeah. so you know how like a lot of them have the clip? Yes. And I just, I have those. I have two really nice ones. And mostly I like them because they make my boobs look good. That's really <laughs> the only reason why. And I can still breastfeed, but they're just not practical. Um, yeah. And so they're the, what I like is like the V-neck wrap ones. Mm. Um, and then you can kind of just like pull them open yeah. and she can pull them down. All of them are like super soft cotton, like really nice. And I, I intuitively I bought them before and I'm so glad I bought those ones because your boobs don't look fantastic. I'll just say that they're kind of just not supported. They're just there and they have a cover and they're actually really just nice at night when you're sleeping. If Mm. you don't want your boobs out and like maybe have a hundred percent access, then you can kind of pull down. Um, But they're really nice. That's awesome. If you want an alternative to like having to unclip and then like make sure yeah. your boob is through the hole, it's a whole thing. Yeah, that's challenging for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. <laughs> My baby needs to be fed right away. She's very particular. Yes. If I have to like snap things. She's mm-hmm. not having it. She's not into it. No, it's an immediate thing for sure. <laughs> oh. All right, we have hit the rapid fire question section. So, what was Mirabelle's first food? You did yogurt, yogurt, organic Greek yogurt. Yeah, nice. And are you a morning person or a night person? Was a night person, but now I think I'm a morning person. Maybe Mm. changed. Yeah, (laughs) I hear that. Um, Do you prefer coffee, tea, water? Tea. Yeah. I love a good tea, like matcha chai. And what's your go-to recharge activity now with Mirabelle? Just any alone time, mm-hmm. really. A walk by myself is amazing, but just time in a room where I don't have to track her is yeah. it it recharges me. Yeah. Yeah. A shower yeah. recharges <laughs> me. 
Uh, do you all have a favorite bedtime story? So our our favorite one was this baby animals. She loves anything with animals, but like mm-hmm. the black and white baby animals one was her mm-hmm. favorite. And now she has this one. It's actually called busy baby animals, but it's like <laughs> pictures of actual animals. So like, there's like a gorilla with a mom and a baby and like a cheetah mm-hmm. mom and a baby. And she, she loves those. Are That's favorite. awesome. Um, and what's one thing that your partner does that really helps you out? Oh my God. He does so much. Um, I could probably make a laundry list. I think the biggest thing is he does all the dishes and cleans up the kitchen. Um, mm-hmm. So I can just take her to bed and feed her. Um, but he also makes me so much food, delicious food all the time. Um, he remembers everything because I don't have the memory I used to have. And he doesn't get frustrated with me when I forget. Yes, mom brain is so real. <laughs> It is. I'm, I'm literally trying to hack it right now with supplements. And some days I have good days. Some days I'll, I'll share that one. I also, it, it's, it's called genius juice. It's another mm. herbal tincture. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I take that, it helps my brain. Also magnesium. Yes. It's a good one. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share before you, we wrap? I know we've talked a lot of different pieces. I just want to say thank you to you, Molly, for sharing these stories. I think nobody is talking about this unfortunately. And it's not even, I don't want, I don't want to scare women off. And I know everyone has their own journey and I know lip ties and tongue ties and cheek ties are a whole extra, you know, thing, but I've seen women be so brave. Um, I've seen women get back so much from breastfeeding and be able to provide food for their babies. And I know sometimes nature, uh, you know, feels like, Oh, it should be automatic and all these things, but we're, we're doing a great job. You're doing a great job no matter where you are. And just like we listen to labor stories to help us feel comfortable going into that journey, we need to be listening to these breastfeeding stories so we know what we're walking into and that anything can happen and that we'll have our own unique journey with our child and it will be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. How can people connect with you if they want to reach out? I'm the only person named Lynn Ann on the internet. So you can pretty much find me on all social media channels. Um, and if you want to hear more about my energy work um, that I'm mostly exclusively doing is elementalspirit.com session. But I have some fun, good social media content I like to share about being a mama, yes. being a, a woman. <laughs> so I'd love to connect if, if something resonated. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate you telling your story. And enjoy the rest of your morning. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, leave a comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts and share with a fellow Mama Plus. And if you're interested in coming on to share your own baby feeding story, head to mollyrider.com and click on share your story. Thanks. See you next week. Bye.